The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright, welcome to MMA on the Rocks, episode number 37. Today is Sunday, February 26th. It's Oscar Sunday, actually. The Oscars are on right now, but we're not watching that shit because we like fighting. So I'm here with Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm dreading having to go to work tomorrow, Bill, but other than that, I am ready to talk about some fights coming up. Yeah, there's a lot of exciting things. So we got... um, Big fight card next weekend, pay-per-view, and we had some big fight announcements today come out that I want to get into as well, and uh, I wanted to start off by talking about something a little gross, and it's something that happens, especially in the MMA and jiu-jitsu world, and that's cauliflower ear, and I want to bring it up because... I got some this week, and I know I was talking to you about it and sending you some lovely pictures, but I want to explain what this is, and I think a common misconception is that boxers get cauliflower ear more than anyone else, but um, it's actually grapplers, and it it's caused by the friction of your ears rubbing against a gi or rubbing against another person when you're trying to escape submissions and things like that. So what happens basically is your ear is made up of all cartilage. And when you get when you start to get cauliflower ear, the cartilage will the cartilage will separate, and it'll fill up the it's like a little pocket or a little balloon, and it fills up with blood. And uh, if you don't drain it, it uh, calcifies and it gets hard like a rock. So it's like you have a little rock sitting inside your ear, and then over time, if you don't take care of it or treat it, you know it can get bigger. You get you get new pockets on top of that, and then they harden, and then eventually it looks like your ear has a fist with knuckles because, you know, you just don't take care of it. So what you have to do basically is ice it so the swelling goes down and take some kind of anti-inflammatory like Motrin or ibuprofen or something like that uh, to stop so much blood from going into your ear, and then you have to drain it with a syringe. Uh, So that's what I did this week. And it's not too fun. Uh, I've had to do it before, and it, you know, it's just one of those things. I I don't want my ears to look like they have knuckles um, because I'm not a professional fighter. I, you know, have regular job and stuff like that, and I have to interact with people on a regular basis. Um, but I, I did. I was curious, so I ran a poll on Twitter, and I got some feedback from you guys, and. of you say cauliflower ear is sexy, 20% of you say it's gross, and 47% says it doesn't bother you either way. Now granted, this is a case study uh, polling all people who are fans of MMA, so I think that skews the results a little bit. I think the average person would probably lean towards gross. It is a little bit gross. I took some pictures of of myself uh, draining it with a syringe. So I didn't post any of them on the social channels at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and MMA on the Rocks.com. But 
if I get five of you who reach out and are interested in seeing the photos, then I'll post them up on Instagram. So if five people tweet me or send me messages on Facebook or any kind of social media, I'll post the pictures if you're interested in seeing them. I'll criticize you. I'll think you're a bunch of sick fucks, but I will put the pictures up if there's a demand for it. So, And then also, if you ever want to get in touch with Jeff on Twitter, I usually say this at the end of the show, but uh, let's plug it in here now. He's animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. So, you know, holler at your boy Jeff and, and let him know what you think of his opinions and if you disagree with him because he always enjoys a good debate about MMA. All right, so all that being said, cauliflower ear sucks. It's not very comfortable. If you do end up getting it and you drain it, uh, remember to wear a headgear if you're going to continue to roll live or train um, because you're you're very susceptible to it filling up with blood again when it's fresh um, and before it hardens. So keep that in mind too. Just a little advice to get you through life. So we got a big fight card coming up this weekend, Jeff. Or, or before I get into that, do you have any thoughts or opinions on cauliflower ear? I know you had some colorful, colorful uh, commentary on Twitter this afternoon. Yeah, dude. Personally, I don't have a problem with cauliflower ear. I've been trying to get it for about two years now. That's how long I've been training jujitsu, <laughs> and it's just you know some people are more prone to it than others. And some people, you know, you just have bad luck, and one day you end up taking an elbow to, to the ear by mistake, and, and it just ends up exploding. Sure. But overall, I I think cauliflower ear is kind of cool. If I ever get it, I probably won't try to drain it. Um, I feel like it's a man stamp. <laughs> you got to wear it with pride. Yeah, yeah. So you were, you were saying that on Twitter today, and... I was saying, if it's a man stamp, then on a scale of one to Randy Couture, I'm about a six with my cauliflower ear right now, because Randy Couture has full-on ear knuckles. I'm pretty sure he could punch somebody in the face with his ears. Um, and and you're, you're right, that's a real man. I mean, when you see somebody with cauliflower ear, uh, you know, man or woman, you you probably don't want to fuck with that person. I mean, maybe they were in some kind of freak accident where they just got hit in the ear for no reason, but um, 99% of the time, that's going to be a bad motherfucker that you know, you, you're know probably not going to want to mess around with. And speaking of bad motherfuckers, we got a whole bunch of them fighting on Saturday night. UFC 209 from Las Vegas, Nevada. It's uh let's start with the main event. Let's break down this card. There's so many great matchups here, but the main event is a rematch from UFC two oh five at Madison Square Garden between Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And this is for the welterweight championship. Now the first time they fought, it was Tyron Woodley's first title defense, and it went to a draw, and there was that whole controversy where they announced Tyron Woodley as the winner, and then they said, Oh wait, we made a mistake. It was a draw. I know you rewatched that fight recently, Jeff, so I know you have a lot of input on this. The, the first time I watched it, I scored it a draw, and I scored it a draw because I gave Tyron Woodley uh, a 10-8 uh, scoring in the fourth round. That was a round where he, he beat Stephen Thompson down, and he almost finished him with a nasty guillotine, and uh, Stephen Thompson did come back at the end of the round with a, with a nice flurry, but I, I gave Woodley... Uh, that round at 10-8, and I also gave him the first round 
and I scored rounds two, three, and five for Wonderboy Thompson. So I thought it was an awesome fight. I thought it was very back and forth. I was kind of disappointed they didn't reschedule the rematch right away, and, and Tyron was was trying to fight other people. I mean, the way I look at it, if you go to a draw, that's not a win. Somebody, you know, we need to have a winner of this fight. And it was an awesome fight. So I'm happy they're running it back. So give me your thoughts on the first fight, Jeff. And uh, let's break down what you think is going to happen the second time around. Okay, well, the first time I saw this fight, I had it for Woodley. Only by a point, though. Because I gave Woodley a 10-8 for round number four. But I also thought he deserved one for round number one. I think he did a really good job of keeping Thompson from landing any offense. He had Thompson on his back for most of that round. So I gave him two 10-8 rounds. Uh-huh. But after re-watching it this week, I, I scored it a draw. I thought it was a deadlock. Yeah. I didn't see a winner for this. Yeah, I think under the new judging criteria where 10-8s are given a little bit more freely, I would agree with uh, a 10-8 for that first round. Um, and then... That fourth round probably would have been a 10-7 under the new criteria. Uh, so if that fight, if that same exact fight were to happen this weekend, it would be a win for Woodley because, you know, the extra points from the new judging criteria would would kind of push it in his direction. And what's, what's weird is the fourth round was the more dominant round, but two of the judges had given a 10-8 for that first round. And uh, my opinion on that is if you're going to give a 10-8 for the first round, you have to give a 10-8 for the fourth round because the, the fourth round was much more dominant, in my opinion. In any case, these guys are familiar with each other. They've been in there for 25 minutes with each other. How do you see that affecting the rematch, and who do you think has more of an advantage from that 25-minute experience? I think that it's whoever has more tape whoever has watched more tape at the end of the day because now these guys have been in there they felt each other out already so one of them has to come in with something different for the most part i thought thompson did really well in using his range and keeping woodley away but once woodley got inside and he landed some really powerful left hands he was able to drop thompson twice in the fourth round so i feel like if woodley can can combine the power in his hands with his wrestling I think he's going to pull out a win for this one. And he's got a lot to prove because your first title defense and you don't technically win. So that's not a good sign. Yeah, and he already feels like he's faced a lot of criticism. So he's definitely coming into this with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, He feels like he doesn't get the respect he deserves as a champion. And, you know, he's got something to prove. He was definitely angry about the first fight. He thinks, you know, he should have been given the W there. I, even if he did win, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, running it back right away with a rematch because it was it was that close and it was it was a great fight. Um, I think the keys to victory for Stephen Thompson would be to let his kicks go a little bit more. He was kind of hesitating with that, and that's what he usually uses to keep guys at a distance. And he wasn't doing that because he was worried about the takedown. Uh, I think. You know, he's seen what Woodley has to offer on the ground. Uh, It doesn't seem like he'll be able to finish him with a submission. So I think if Stephen Thompson has been working on his takedown defense and more importantly working on uh, walking up the cage and getting back up once he's been taken down and he lets his legs go a little bit more, that's going to be the key to victory for him. I think that's going to be that X factor. 
Uh, for Woodley, I think just being more aggressive and closing the distance more than he did in the first fight and landing those big shots is going to be the X factor for him. The takedowns are good because it takes away the kicks of Thompson, but uh, I really don't see him finishing him on the ground. So maybe take him down a few times just to throw him off and to make him a little bit more hesitant about throwing those kicks. But I think if he closes the distance and, and makes it a little grittier of a fight, maybe throws him up against the cage and dirty boxes with him, he's got so much power um, that you know he might be able to put him away. But I'm excited for this main event, and I'm I'm excited for this card, and I, I haven't said that in a while. It was kind of nice not having a UFC this weekend um, because, you know, you're free to do other things. You don't have to plan your weekend around when you're going to watch the fight or when you're going to re-watch the fight. Um, you know, you and I try to watch these things a couple of times when we prepare to uh, record a show here. We're not just flying by the seat of our pants, folks. We, we put some put some time and effort into this and we we're usually drunk the first time we watch the fights so we have to make sure that we're extra prepared um so the second fight on this card is probably the one I'm more excited for I I don't think I've been this excited about a fight uh in a long time uh the only thing that makes me sad about it is that it's going to be a three round fight or no it's not actually so I'm not sad about anything because it's an interim championship fight, so it should be five rounds. But that's between uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. This fight has all the makings for fight of the year. I mean, these are two guys, these are two of the most aggressive fighters on the entire roster. Uh, they both have a very dominant style, a very come-forward style, and it's going to be you know, basically whoever is able to impose the pressure first is going to control the pace of this fight and probably end up winning. Um, I've seen a lot of people predicting Tony Ferguson winning by submission, which is kind of surprising to me. I've seen that a lot, especially on Twitter. People seem to think he's going to get that that sneaky Darce choke on Khabib. To me, that doesn't really make sense because uh, Tony Ferguson wasn't able to submit Rafael Dos Anjos. And I know MMA math doesn't work, but uh, Dos Anjos is not as good of a grappler as Khabib is. I mean, Khabib threw him around like a rag doll. Uh, so if he wasn't able to submit Dos Anjos, I don't see how he'll be able to submit an expert grappler like Khabib. I mean, the guy wrestles fucking bears. Um, so what's your th what's your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Are you as excited for it as I am? And how do you see this fight going down? I'm super stoked for this one, Bill. Khabib Nurmagomedov, the eagle, he's undefeated as a professional MMA fighter. He's yeah. got world-class grappling, unbelievable power, and honestly, if I were to give anybody a chance against him in this lightweight division, it would be Tony Ferguson. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he's got the long arms. He can lock in the Darce choke. But, you know, he, like you said, he's he's not going up against someone who doesn't know what he's doing. He's going up against a world-class athlete, yeah. especially in grappling. And I think that if Tony Ferguson doesn't bring his absolute best against Khabib, I think he's going to have a really, really long night. 
I don't see Khabib losing this one unless Tony Ferguson can do something absolutely spectacular. Yeah, uh, I think the the key to victory. I don't I don't see Tony Ferguson being able to submit Khabib. I mean, the guy's never lost a fight. I don't think he's lost a round in MMA uh, in his whole career. So to say that he's going to get submitted is is kind of a far stretch. The way I see yeah. Tony Ferguson winning the fight is using his outstanding footwork and boxing and his length and keeping Khabib at a distance. We did see Khabib get rocked in his last fight against Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson has, you know, very similar striking to Tony Ferguson. He's got fast hands and he's a long rangey boxer. Now, if Tony's able to to outwork him on the feet, that's how I see that's how I see him beating Khabib if he were to win. Now, the way Khabib is going to win is the same way Khabib wins every fight. He's going to try and get his hands on Tony and he's going to try and throw him around the cage. And once he gets you on the ground, his top control is scary because he doesn't want to just knock you out or or submit you right away. He wants to he wants to prove a point that he's he wants to totally alpha you in there and and just be dominant and control you and put you in uncomfortable positions and hold, tie your hands up and punch you in the face and scream at Dana White while he's doing it uh, because that's what he did against Michael Johnson. I mean, that's uh, all the credit to Michael Johnson for hanging in there, but, I mean, that's that's a really terrifying situation to be put in where you're just held down, you can't use your hands, you can't escape, you're just trapped under this Russian monster who's just blasting you in the face with punches. Um, so, yeah, if it goes to the ground, I definitely see Khabib having the advantage. But, you know, Tony has a great ga- ground game as well, and he's got a lot of surprising submissions uh, in his arsenal. I mean, he's he's sneaky. He has unusual setups for his submissions. I mean, he can pull that Darce choke out of pretty much nowhere, but... Um, he, I see it very unlikely that Khabib taps out. Um, the next fight, finally, Rashad Evans is going to make his uh, long-awaited debut at middleweight. And we saw pictures of him cutting cutting the weight the last two times he was supposed to fight. He was supposed to fight Tim Kennedy at UFC 205. And then he had another fight scheduled at middleweight uh, on the Buffalo card or the Albany card, I think it was. And the New York Athletic Commission wouldn't clear him to fight both times. We still don't know why, um, but for whatever reason, he's not allowed to fight in New York. So I guess the Vegas Commission cleared him to fight. She's so going to make his middleweight debut against Daniel Kelly. Uh, what are your thoughts on the commission not clearing Rashad? Do you think it's just because they're a new commission and and they're a little erring more on the side of caution, or do you think he's got a severe medical issue and then what do you think about this matchup for Rashad Evans Joe? um as for your first question I'm not too sure why they wouldn't allow Rashad Evans to fight maybe like you said maybe it's a medical condition that has been ongoing but I don't know too much about Daniel Kelly but I am a fan of Rashad Evans I like how he fights I like how he combines his his stand-up um striking with his really well-timed takedowns and he's able to change level so fast and it's really hard to stop unless you're someone like Forrest Griffin. <laughs> so so 
I'm really excited to see Rashad Evans uh, make his debut at middleweight. Although I think it's a little late in the game. We've talked about this before. I think it's a little late in the game for him to be dropping weight classes. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's on him. We'll see how he does Saturday night. Yeah, and he's moving into one of the most stacked divisions in the UFC for sure. I mean, that that's murderer's row. I think, I think along with uh, the lightweight division, it's got to be one of the most competitive. Uh, you know, from the top down, you got killer after killer, and you got so many guys in line for this title. It looks like you know Yoel Romero might get the next shot unless. GSP comes in and cuts the line. Apparently, he's worked out a deal with the UFC, and he's got his eyes on Michael Bisping. I would imagine if he wants that title shot, that he'll cut the line. Um, and and then, you know, you've got former champion Chris Weidman still in the mix, even though he's coming off of two losses. You got Jacare waiting in the wings, who definitely has earned a title shot. Um, and uh, but, you know, Rashad Evans, former champion at, at light heavyweight. So maybe two uh, impressive victories for him. Maybe he cuts the line. You know, if he wins impressively on Saturday and then calls out Jacare or or calls out, uh, you know, the winner of Chris Weidman and Gegard Mousasi, you know, maybe that, uh, maybe that lets him skip the line. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. He, he does carry a little clout ha- having been a former champion, but you know, maybe it is too late in a game to make a run at middleweight. As far as Daniel Kelly, he's, he's 12 and one. His only loss is a TKO to Sam Alvey, who uh, is a big middleweight. Also, I think he's, he's fought at two Oh five before and uh, he's on a three fight win streak. So his last, uh, his last win was against Chris Camozzi. So, He's he's got a bunch of UFC fights under his belt, so this would be a huge win for him. Uh, definitely the biggest of his career if he's able to uh, pull it off against Rashad Evans. But Rashad is going to be really big and powerful for that division, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, speaking of big and powerful, I'm going to skip over one fight for now, and I'm going to jump to Alistair Overeem and Mark Hunt. Uh, got to be two of the hardest hitters maybe in the history of the sport. Both have a lot of impressive knockouts under their belt. Mark Hunt uh, has been surrounded by controversy since his last fight at UFC 200 against Brock Lesnar when Lesnar tested positive and and Mark Hunt basically sued the UFC because he thinks the UFC knew that Brock Lesnar was taking steroids and um, you know they should basically pay him more money for going in there and risking his life. And then... Alistair Overeem is no stranger to steroids and has not really looked like the same person since physically since USADA came in, but uh, still, you know, the skills are still there. Uh, he still has the striking, world-class K1 striking um, experience and background, uh, so he's got that precision on his side. I still think it's a pretty interesting matchup, and obviously Mark Hunt can end anybody uh, with one swing in that division with his patented walk-off knockout technique. Uh, does this fight do anything for you, Jeff? And how do you see it going? Yeah, I'm super excited for this one. Mark Hunt and Alistair Overeem, we know how good they are on their feet. They're both former K1 champions. This is I feel like this, has, this is going to be one round. That's how long the fight is going to last, one round. Someone is going to sleep on Saturday, Bill. 
Mm-hmm. And honestly, like you said, over him, he hasn't looked like the same guy ever since USADA came in. He's looking a little less ripped at weigh-ins. But um, a problem that I have with over him is sometimes he gets a little cocky and he fights with his hands down. You cannot do that against Mark Hunt because he will put you to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't I don't really see either of these guys trying to take the fight to the ground. Overeem does have what I think is a pretty underrated submission game. He he used to he used to pull off some surprising submissions, but uh, Mark Hunt is one of the toughest guys to take down, and I just don't think it's worth it. It's it's a long way down for Overeem to change uh, change levels for a takedown, so I don't think it'll be worth his energy. I see him uh, trying to work his footwork and and keep Mark Hunt on the outside and stay away from those big power shots. Uh, yeah, it's an, it's an exciting matchup for sure. Uh, another thing that's exciting is the return of Lando Venata, who we're both a fan of. And uh, this is a guy who burst onto the scene in a loss to Tony Ferguson. But, man, he he really showed what his stock was worth in that loss because he almost finished Tony Ferguson in the first round. And then in his last fight, he had a highlight reel, probably... I, probably a candidate for knockout of the year in 2016 i i think anyway i'm not i can't really remember who won that but uh spinning heel kick against john mcdessey so he's making his return against five and one david tamer who has a couple ufc fights under his belt but uh for all intents and purposes seems to be a feeding fish for lando venata uh because the guy definitely has star power he's already got you know, two highlight reel fights under his belt. So thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, I like it. Lando Venata, you know, he's a new, he's the new kid on the block. Let him get a couple of UFC fights. Let him get some experience under his belt. And then let him take another shot at a top 10 guy. Why not? He did really well against Ferguson, like you said. So I think this guy, I, I see bright things for him in the future. I really like his fighting style. He His nickname is Groovy, and that's kind of how he fights. Is a little laid back, a little bit more lax. And He's a fun fighter to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. All right, so uh, I'm, I'll give you a couple of other fights that are on here. Martin Tibura against Luis Enrique Barbosa de Oliveira. <laughs> uh, Mursad Bektik versus Darren Elkins. And two undefeated fighters, Paul Craig and Tyson Pedro. Any of those fights tickle your fancy there, Jeff? I don't know too much about these guys, Bill, but I'm excited to see the the fight between Pedro and Paul Craig because both of them are undefeated. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always good to see two guys who are undefeated. It it usually goes one of two ways. It's either a super close fight or or one guy just mysteriously gets blown out of the water and you wonder why he was undefeated to begin with. Maybe it's just you know was was fighting lesser competition and in other organizations and or the nerves of UFC. But, um, yeah, that'll be interesting. Not a lot of star power on the bottom half of this car, but that usually means hungry fighters, which also means a lot of finishes and a lot of exciting fights. So I'm definitely excited for this whole card. Uh, I plan on watching it top to bottom because I, I don't really see anything being a disappointment because it's got so much energy surrounding it. I haven't been exci- this excited for a card uh, in a while, uh, the, like you were saying last week, you know they got to make up for 
the uh, the pretty poor showing at UFC 208, and I think I think this does it. Um, so some exciting fight announcements that came out today. Uh, Jorge Masvidal was calling out Damian Maya, and it's looking like they're going to make that fight happen uh, on Fight Night 108 from Nashville, Tennessee. So have you heard about this announcement yet, Jeff? And if not, what do you think about this fight? I'm, I have not heard about this fight up until now, but I'm excited for it. Um, Masvidal, I feel like he got a little bit lucky in his last fight. I think he jumped the gun a little bit by calling out Demi and Maya. He, he's ranked number one. Uh, he's the number one contender right now, or at least in my mind he should be, because that man has been on a tear lately. And Demi and Maya, you know, he's he's that big guy in the in the cafeteria that you, nobody messes with. Him. He doesn't <laughs> say a lot. He doesn't say a lot, but nobody messes with him because they know. And I feel like you're poking the bear a little bit here, Masvidal. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Masvidal's a, a tough fighter. I think he's really underrated. His boxing is excellent. His wrestling is excellent. He's got you know some of the best footwork and head movement in the division. But you know he used to fight at lightweight, and Maya used to fight at middleweight. So even though Masvidal has great takedown defense, uh, if you can't stop Maya's takedowns, which are very basic but very effective. Uh, you're in for a rough night. I mean, because the guy just cuts through dudes like butter. I mean, look what he did to Carlos Condit, who is, I think, much bigger than Masvidal. Um, Condit's not known for his takedown defense, but he is known for his submission defense, and he was he wasn't able to do anything once Damian Maya got him to the ground. Uh, I think. You got to credit Maya for staying active. I know he's disappointed he didn't get the title shot, but uh, you can't really expect the UFC to give you the title shot just because you're older and you don't have as much time when you just had two guys fight for the title and it went to a draw. You know, we need to see who the real winner of that fight is. So you can kind of hang out or you can take another fight and stay active and take the chance of losing. So um, Maya has everything to lose in this fight if he takes it and Masvidal obviously has everything to gain. If he comes in and he's able to upset, I believe it'll be an upset, uh, the number one contender, then he can definitely make a case for taking on the winner of Tyron Woodley and Steven Thompson. And I think any of those matchups would be really exciting. You know, Masvidal versus Woodley or Masvidal versus Thompson. And I think Maya versus either of those guys is a great matchup too. So I say pair up the winners of these two fights and pair up the losers of these two fights. And I think, you know, you got, uh, you got some real fan-pleasing fights there. What, what do you think about that strategy? Because I just thought of it just now as I said it out loud, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Why not? I mean, like you said, the the welterweight division is, is stacked, you know, as is the middleweight division. So... I'm ready. Let's do it. I want to see Woodley versus Thompson, the winner, take on the winner of what's his face. Um, the guy who was the former Strike Force champion, uh, Gegard Musazi versus um, I forgot who's who's he fighting again coming up. Uh, Chris Weidman at middleweight. Yeah, so I'd like to see the winner of that take on the winner of this, and like you said, leave Demi and Maya waiting in the wings. Yeah, but. 
credit to Demian Maia for taking this fight because, like you said, he's got more to lose than Masvidal does. Yeah, for sure. And this uh, this fight night card in Tennessee is actually shaping up to be pretty good. Uh, I think a lot of people were disappointed when they heard that uh, Cub Swanson was going to be fighting Artem Lobov. Uh, and you may remember Artem from the season of Ultimate Fighter that Conor McGregor coached against Uriah Faber, which w- was actually not a terrible season. Um, there was, you know, some good drama and some good fights, and Artem uh, lost in the finale, and I think he lost his next fight after that. So a lot of people think that Conor McGregor was pulling some strings to get him this fight with Cub Swanson. It's kind of a higher profile fight than he maybe deserves but i think it's an exciting matchup because uh, artem has dynamite in his hands and cub swanson loves to brawl so that has all the makings of an exciting fight whether or not artem deserves to fight a guy ranked as high as cub swanson i think is irrelevant i kind of like the matchmaking here and i think it's going to be exciting what are your thoughts on that jeff yeah artem lobov a lot of people may not know about him but he did win his last two fights and I remember him watching his last fight against Haruto Ishihara, and I thought that was really exciting. I thought it could have ended in a finish for Lobov a few times, mm-hmm. so credit to Ishihara. But it was a really exciting fight to watch. So I'm really excited to see Swanson versus Lobov, and for Lobov to get a little bit more experience in the octagon. Yeah, for sure. And if you throw the uh, Masvidal-Maya fight headlining this card, it, it's a pretty nice little card shaping up. You got Diego Sanchez uh, taking on Al Iaquinta, who's been on a long layoff because he had some disagreements with the UFC about uh, contract negotiations or something like that. He actually announced his retirement, and he was selling real estate for a while, but now he's coming back and uh, coming back against Diego Sanchez. You got Ovin St. Preux is skating on thin ice and fighting on this card uh, after, I think, three losses in a row. And then you got Talos Latis and Sam Alvey. So any one of those fights jump out to you off the bat, Jeff? Yeah, I'd like to see Latos versus Alvey. Both of these guys are tough dudes. They have really solid records. So I'd, I want to see who's going to win. I personally think that if Sam Alvey fights smart and he uses his range, I think he can pull out the win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Talos Latis is one of those guys who's been hot and cold throughout his career. Um, you know, I think he's been cut twice by the UFC, and uh, he he hasn't looked he hasn't looked too bad lately. Obviously, world class grappler. So if he gets anybody on the ground, um, they're 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 in trouble there. Uh, but then you know he's had weird fights like his fight with Anderson Silva where he basically butt scooted around the cage the entire time uh trying to get him to the ground um and I was actually I was actually there live for that fight it was in Montreal in 2013 I want to say and uh people started leaving it was, I'd never seen anything like it I was able to move up real close to the cage uh because I was that was in 2009 um, I was able to move up real close to the cage because uh, everybody, you know, nobody was nobody was feeling it. But um, uh, another fight that was announced today: your boy Alexander Gustafsson possibly facing Glover Teixeira in Sweden on an upcoming card. Did you hear about this one? And whether you did or not, what are your thoughts on this matchup, Jeff? 
I did not hear about this one, but now that I have, I'm very excited. Alexander Gustafsson, he hasn't looked like himself lately, ever since he lost to um, John Jones. However, I still have faith in him. I still have faith in the Mahler, Bill. <laughs> and I feel like a win against Glover Teixeira, who is another tough dude, uh, really well-rounded. He's a good kickboxer. He's a good Muay Thai fighter. And he's got he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So this guy's well-rounded. Gustafsson, I think it's going to be a really tough fight for him. I think he's going to have a long day. But if he can pull out the win here, and I think he can because he's got solid wrestling and really good boxing, I feel like he, this can be the jump start that his um, career needs to get him back to the title picture. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Glover's got a little more momentum going into this fight because he's coming off a, a win against a young stud and Jared Cannonier who uh, was kind of fed to the Lions a little bit but uh, I really liked hearing Glover's perspective on it he said you know if I can't get in there and hang with one of these young up-and-comers then I shouldn't be doing this anymore so that's how he wanted to test himself and he did and he completely dominated him and looked awesome uh, Gustafson won his last fight but it was very lackluster they basically you know threw him an unranked guy for a guy who's been gustafson's been ranked two or three in the world for the last couple of years to face an unranked guy and it was in germany which is close enough to home for him where he had a, a lot of hometown support and um it had a very just a, a lackluster showing wanted won a decision but you know, looked kind of sloppy in there. And uh, if the old Alexander Gustafson comes back, then this is an awesome fight. Uh, it seems like Glover's bounced back from his knockout loss to Anthony Johnson. Uh, so the winner of this, I think, is is right back in title conversation for sure. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. And like you said, Gustafson, he's lost three out of his last five fights. So he needs a win against Teixeira. But I agree with you. I think that the winner of this one is is looking to get his name into the title picture against the winner of Johnson versus Cormier, too. Let's hope that Cormier can make it to the octagon. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, for sure, hopefully nobody pulls out of this fight because uh, it, it's starting to get to the point where it's like, eh, I, I can't get excited about it anymore because I feel like it's not... It might not happen, but you know that that's a great rematch of a fight, and it it would be really awesome if it actually happens. Uh, I don't see the winner of Gustafson and Teixeira getting that title shot right away, only because John Jones is going to be back in July, I believe, so that or June. So I think they would probably put him in immediately against the winner of Cormier and Johnson. Uh, I really don't see him. I really don't see any other fight making sense for John Jones unless Cormier loses and they give they have Cormier rematch uh John Jones. But uh, yeah, I see John Jones getting the title shot without question when he comes back. And then uh there was a Bellator card in Ireland on Friday. I didn't watch it just because after the last two Bellator cards with their their production, the way it's been, I was not really excited for it, and there were really no names that, that jumped off the page for me. Uh, Liam McGeary bounced back uh, from his loss to Phil Davis uh, with a stoppage over some dude, and 
uh, I didn't even I didn't watch the rest of this card because it didn't really interest me after the way the last couple of Bellator cards went. But I, I don't plan on holding a grudge. I think uh, I'll come back around. And um, you know, I was on the Bellator bandwagon for a while. I liked a lot of the moves they were making, and the last two cards were kind of disappointing. But you know, it's it's growing pains and. They'll figure it out. I think I definitely want to see some some competition from promotions for sure. All right, any any thoughts on Bellator or anything else you want to get off your chest this week, Jeff? Yeah, I really only watched the Liam McGeary fight. It's a fight he should be winning. He's a former light heavyweight champion at Bellator. He's tapped out Tito Ortiz. You know, he went out there and did the job. So, but I agree with you. I'll be back on the Bellator bandwagon soon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gary's a guy, I mean, his only loss was a decision loss to Phil Davis, who, you know, is a, probably the toughest guy he's he's faced um, in his prime. And, you know, he's he's a good, solid fighter. Um, but, yeah, not enough to, to make me tune in with him as the headliner against against somebody I don't really know. But, you know, good for him bouncing back all right anything else for this week jeff nope i think that's a wrap bill yeah i mean uh, we covered a lot despite there not being any ufc this weekend but i'm excited for 209 next week Uh, i'm excited to break it down next sunday after it happens and oh tequila i almost forgot the on the rocks portion (laughs) <laughs> I had some new tequila this weekend, Jeff. And it's called Cazadores. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, any idea of an interpretation there? Or a translation, rather? Yeah, it means hunters in Spanish, Bill. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, made in Mexico. Really smooth tequila. Really nice. Probably like a mid-level. Um, costs about the same as uh, Los los altos which uh you guys know i love if you've you've listened to to past episodes uh jeff you had some of that while you were here so same sort of price range it makes sense that that cazadores means hunters because there's there's a picture of a deer on the bottle so that makes more sense to me now which is basically why i bought it i was just looking for some tequila yesterday and i said oh that looks like a cool bottle so i picked some up the only problem with this tequila is it goes down a little bit too smooth. So I was mixing it with some of my Zevia Colas. You know how I love my Zevia Cola, Jeff. Uh, zero calories, zero sugar. Cola doesn't leave your teeth feeling all gritty and doesn't make you feel bloated after you drink it. And I only drink soda when there's booze in it anyway. So it's perfect for me. So I mixed it with the citrus grapefruit Zevia and tequila. And yeah, it went down a little bit too easy so i I might have overdone it on the cazadores a little bit but uh, i'm not mad at it it was it was a nice nice smooth tequila you drinking anything interesting lately jeff i know you've been a little under the weather yeah last weekend um i i sat down with some jameson because i was very disappointed that bedor emilianenko was not fighting so i was i was drinking for him oh you should add some vodka then some uh, nice Russian vodka, but yeah, n- nothing wrong with Jameson. That's that's a classic. I know that's your go-to. Yep, it's the Irishman in me. <laughs> I 
yeah, we all got a little Irish in us. Uh, we got St. Patrick's Day coming up too. And uh, yeah, so, all right. So that's all we got for this week. Little tequila, little whiskey, right at the end. We got our uh, on the rocks portion in. If you have any commentary or any disagreement, or you want to see uh, pictures of me draining cauliflower ear with a syringe, reach out on social media at MMA on the Rocks. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com and you can send me a message that way. And if you want to get a hold of Jeff, I know I said it earlier, but just a reminder, it's at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And that's all we got for this week. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.